Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. So uh, what I wanted to share with you, last week we spoke on the speaking God, and we, uh, we spoke on really the power of God's voice, and we looked at the fact that God is always speaking throughout scriptures, uh, throughout, throughout eternity, and He's spoken in many different ways, and it's, it's the voice that transforms, it's the voice that creates, it's the voice that brings Lazarus out of the grave, it's, it's the voice that, that liberates, and that same voice, that speaking voice, God wants to speak personally into our life, and the way he primarily does that is through his written word, and so we need to be a people who cultivate a lifestyle of being away with him to hear that voice. And I really felt God's um, still impressing upon me to speak into this, the speaking God. But what I want to touch on today is the power of truth. And I, wanna, I want us to see how important truth is. What I really want to look at is, is thought life today, which is so, so important. And how everything that we do really stems from whether or not we believe the truth of God or a lie. It's just that simple. Now, before I do that, I, I, I shared that because I, wanted, I want you to know where we're going. Before I do that, I just need a few minutes to speak on something a little bit different, but I believe deeply ties into what I'm about to speak on today, the power of thought life. And uh, how, many, how many of you were, were here last week? Wasn't the power of God like crazy at the end of service, right? It was amazing. How many you know that, that the kingdom of God, Paul says, it's not just a matter of speech. It's a matter of demonstration of power. When we, say, when we say Jesus is a, is a savior, he actually saves people. When we say Jesus is a liberator, he actually liberates. There's demonstrations of his power. When we say Jesus heals, there's demonstrations. These are not just fun things to say to make us feel good. And when we say Jesus delivers, he delivers. He actually sets people free that are bound. And if you were here last week, you know that we weren't going after anything except Jesus, and God took a turn and really began to set people free that were deeply bound. And it was incredible. If I could only begin to share some of the testimonies of what took place. There was a man up here that, just to tell you the fruit, who was bound in addiction, who's now at Brooklyn Teen Challenge, went in this week. Like, there was real fruit of what was taking place. And as I shared before, God exposes these things and does this not to make a scene. That's what the enemy wants to distract. He, he brings them to light because he's so committed to liberating and healing people. And so what took place yesterday, uh, last week, was God wanted to liberate. But I know that there was a, a few questions that came up from that. And so if you weren't here, um, well, <laughs> you get filled in a little bit. But I really feel like it's important that we just touch on a few things as a body. Because as, remember we said, we're not trying to build a church. We're bringing a kingdom. Yeah. Very different. Jesus didn't say go build a church. He said bring a kingdom. And when the kingdom of God comes, things like what happened last week happen. And so we need to be a people that are ready for that, ready to see God move in those ways. We're not going after anything but Jesus, but we need to know that these things happen. And I want to make sure, because I know our leadership, Pastor Crystal and Caesar and Brittany, we're all on the same page of where we stand on this, that we as a church are in agreement of, of where we stand when it comes to deliverance and Jesus setting people free. And so there's really three things. Real quick, I'm going to touch on, and then we're going to jump into the Word, and I believe it's going to deeply connect with what we're saying. But three things that just kind of summarize it is three Ps, I put it, just to make it easy to, to, to remember. Number one is position of victory. We operate, I know, I want you to remember, we operate from a position of victory. Ephesians 2 tells us that before Christ, outside of Christ, our position is we were dead in sin 
and it says that we were actually under the influence of the ruler of, of this age, of this era. It literally means, it's, it's a pretty profound statement. It says, before you were in Christ, you were literally in the kingdom of darkness under its influence. And that's a powerful statement. And so it is absolutely possible, and we believe it because in the scriptures, that you can be so deeply influenced to the fact that you can actually be possessed. You can actually be so just out of control and so under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. It's absolutely true. But the scriptures say that when you are born again in Jesus Christ, you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It says that you were once dead in sin but made alive. Zoe, that is divine life now that flows through you. So when Jesus sets you free, you're free. This is very important because there's a lot of strange teachings that are so centered on, on having to continually be Cast it out again and again and again, and it's not preaching the victory of the cross. And I want you to know where we stand on this. This is really important because of especially what happened last week. There's freedom in Jesus. I, I want to share this scripture from Colossians just so you understand our position here. If we could put it up on the screen. Perfect. It's from the Passion Translation, which is such an awesome translation. It says this. I just want you to just grab just a glimpse of the victory we have in Christ. It says, for we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Verse 14, he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. You want more? <laughs> it gets even better. Verse 15, then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. And I love this. He was not their prisoner. They were his. So understand this, there is freedom and victory. Victory does not take place when revelation is fulfilled. Victory happened when Jesus went on the cross for us. So when you are in Christ, you are free. Now we do believe, though, that you can be deeply oppressed. And that's where we're going to start to bridge into in, our, our, in the message for today in just a second. It's one of the connections in that you can be deeply oppressed. And one of the ways that happens is through your thought life. You entertain things that are counter to the truth of God. And you begin to dwell on these things. And these things begin to shape your life. And you can be deeply, deeply oppressed by these things. I've been there. So what we're going to talk about is breaking, breaking unhealthy thought patterns today in just a moment. But I want you to know the New Testament, when it refers to Christians and it refers to any type of demonic activity, it never talks about possession. It talks about influence. Resist the devil. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's, it's influence. We are not demonically possessed after that. So that's the first thing. The second thing, real quick, we prioritize the presence. There's a book. I'm really grateful for Johnny that he shared this with me. It's it such a Lord's timing. If you want to read it, it's incredible by Mark Casto called Liar. Absolutely incredible that, that speaks into it. It's such our heart for where we stand, and it was put in words that I could have never articulated. But the whole point is this. We have to be careful. We can get so consumed with spiritual warfare 
that it actually becomes a distraction in itself because it takes us away from, the, from what's priority, which is Jesus. And so what he teaches is this. He says, when God created Adam in the garden, when God created Adam in the garden, did God ever warn Adam of a kingdom of darkness? He never once said, Adam, there's an adversary out there. Adam, be careful, Adam. There's a kingdom of darkness that absolutely hates me and anything that comes, in, uh, uh, comes with me. You know, he simply said, well, Adam, walk with me. Adam, Adam, walk in simple and pure devotion with me. Adam, you don't even need to worry about that. Adam, just stay with me. But man's mistake is he entertained a conversation outside of that simple and pure devotion that led him astray. But here's the good news. I want you to hear this. Jesus, it says Jesus has come. In Genesis 3, it spoke a prophetic word that, that the seed of the woman would come and crush the head of the serpent, which means Jesus has crushed the head of the serpent. What has that given us access to? Back into the garden to walk with our Father. Why would we ever entertain inferior conversation in a realm that is so less than what Jesus has made available for us? We are not going after anything else but Jesus. If things come up, we deal with it. But I want you to know that there are some that are so obsessed with demonic activity and all these things that actually it becomes a distraction from the simple and pure devotion to Jesus himself. And there's much more I could share in that. I'll, I'll leave it there. Mark Castle says this, there's a higher path of victory. And it, and it is not by understanding the strength of our enemy, but by being convinced of the superiority of the almighty God. That's our focus. So we have a position of victory, we prioritize the presence, and the last thing right here is power and authority. The last thing I want to share is this, is if anything comes up, when, when Jesus, Luke chapter 4, Jesus gets up in the synagogue and reads scriptures from Isaiah 61, and he says basically how the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and he was basically saying that these scriptures are fulfilled today. And he sat down, and some were in amazement, and some were deeply afflicted by it. And what always amazed me is that he didn't yell, he didn't shout. All he did was read the scriptures. When you have authority, you don't need to yell. The devil wants to make distractions. So I want you to know something. If something would ever happen in this house, we don't yell. We, we don't go crazy. We walk in the authority that we have, and, and we deal with it. Because what he wants is to make a big scene and scare people, and that's just not going down in this place. Now, listen, everyone's personality is different. So I understand some just having to be more aggressive, and that's, that's cool. We talked about Todd White. I don't know if you know Todd White. Todd White will just go nuts. <laughs> but he's genuine. Be genuine to who you are. But listen, we're not making a scene. We're not trying to be anything. Just be yourself. You have power and authority. Is that good? Are we clear on this? All right. I promise I'll speak a, a shorter word to, to jump in this. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Turn with me in your Bibles there. Is that confirmation, Willie? <laughs> All right, so look, we're going to talk about the speaking God, and it ties into what we just said, the power of truth and the dangers of entertaining lies. Man, we've said this before. We live in the age of information. We always want to learn more, learn more, learn more, and there's something for that, but you know what's amazing is that there are truths that God has spoken to me that I've yet to make them my life, and so he shares something, and then I move on to the next thing, and, and I feel like the Lord's saying, wait a minute, when I reveal something, stay right there until this literally forms the way that you live. And I say that because if we believe in the, the, the power of a renewed mind, we should stay there until we actually begin to walk in a, in a, in a, in a renewed mind that, that is focused on the truth of God. So let me share this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, the power of truth. And I just believe Jesus is going to set people free today from from unhealthy thought life that you feel like you've been trapped in. 
Verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. There is a lot of rich things in here. Let me start by sharing this. Often when we share this scripture, it's typically presented in the context of your own thoughts. And to be honest, we're going to go into that. And that's absolutely true. That's a principle that comes to this that's confirmed in other areas of scripture. But I, want you, I just want to point this out. Paul is actually not talking about his own thoughts. Paul was actually being deeply uh, opposed by people at the church of Corinth who said that when he writes letters, he's really strong and bold. But when he comes in person, he's actually quite weak. And Paul was saying why he came in meekness and gentleness. And he says, but when I come, I'm going to take these thoughts captive. I'm actually going to come against these things. And what Paul was, Paul was saying is I'm going to come and I'm going to preach the truth of God. This is very important because when we minister to other people, this is a really important point. Paul wasn't saying I'm going to destroy the person. He says I'm going to destroy the lies that they're building their life upon. That's the key. It's, it's lies. And so Paul says, what I need to get at is I need to get at these things that you're allowing to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. And so I'm going to bring the truth of the gospel of who God is and of who, says, who he says you are. And that's what's going to set you free. Do, do you know in this world, listen to me, in everything that goes on, our lifestyles tie back to what we believe. And so you, you can look in our culture. Come on, there's so much, there's so much sexual brokenness. There's so much gender confusion. Do you know where that all comes from? Building a life upon a lie. I've seen people that have just been, especially working at Teen Challenge, their whole life have believed these lies about who they are and what they're doing here. And they've been in such bondage as a result. And then you come and speak one word of truth of Jesus over their life. Everything changes. The truth of God literally sets people free. I want you to see these words, though. In verse 4, he says that we have the divine power to demolish strongholds. So I want you to hear this. Literally, a stronghold is, is, these, is an area in battle that you can set up that's a safe place to then send out attacks from there. So what he's saying is that there are strongholds in our unhealthy thought life that allow the enemy to camp out and then to strike from there. That's, that's the imagery that he's giving. And so he says the truth of God will destroy these strongholds in this unhealthy thought life. He says he, he comes against, he demolishes arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Paul is saying that these, these thoughts, they're not neutral. They set themselves up against the knowledge of God. They're actually very purposeful to war against God's purpose for your life. There's thoughts that come that, go, that stand in complete contrast to who he is and what he says about you. And they come against the knowledge of God. What's that? That's who God is. That's how he sees you. That's, that's, that's kingdom life. And so Paul is saying that there's thoughts that try to exalt themselves in your life. They try to set themselves up to stand above God's knowledge. It means how God sees you, who God is, and ultimately they want you to come underneath them so that you would live according to those lies and that belief system. And Paul says we need to take every thought captive. And the picture that I have is have you, you know, when you have a wild animal that's going crazy, you have to take that wild animal captive and put it into a controlled environment, like into a cage, and then you can examine it and see what's going on. That's the imagery. Paul is saying you have to take every thought captive. When things start running wild, he's actually saying take it, put it in a controlled environment, and examine it. Is this of the Lord? And if it's not, it has to go. 
Listen, you have to understand how important this is because everything starts with your thought life. What I really believe that Paul's teaching here is that at the church of Corinth, that these mental strongholds are not to be excused by demonic activity. Because that's what we can do. We can say, man, I'm in such a battle. I'm in such, such warfare. And we just camp out and say, there's nothing I can do. Actually, what Paul is saying, you've been given the empowering grace to fight by taking these thoughts captive. He says, actually, you don't have to stay here. You can actually fight and resist this. Because all of us have coming out of the world and its systems and its beliefs. And so God has to take us through this process of renewing our mind. So, so important. From the book, Liar by Mark Castro. Do you remember he talks about Johnny the Scooby-Doo affair? This, is, uh, this was so good. He says this. How many of you watch Scooby-Doo? Yeah? <laughs> How many of you remember that the premise of the movie is what? Or the show is basically, what is it, Velma, Shaggy, Fred? They go around chasing after what is apparently a supernatural being. And then in the end, it's the same thing every time. What happens when they get and find this being? They demask him and find out it's really just a dysfunctional person. <laughs> and so he says this. He says, listen, I'm not devaluing spiritual warfare. Please understand. I know it's real. But what he's saying is this unhealthy obsession and excuse to stay where we are. This is real talk. This is what Jesus has given freedom. And so he says this. The problem is not often the devil. It's that we are masking our own dysfunction in the name of spiritual warfare while excusing ourselves from the need to renew our minds. We have to renew our minds. We have to be in the truth of God. Come on, we can't say, well, you don't know what it's like to live with her. You don't know what it's like to live with him. You don't know what it's like to be at this job. Jesus has given us an ability to live with a heavenly perspective. we got to walk not by the flesh but by the spirit. Everything we need to walk with a renewed mind. And what is a renewed mind? In, in Romans 12, it says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's only one other time that word transformed is used. It's at the Mount of Transfiguration. It's metamorpho. What's amazing is when Jesus transfigures before these few disciples, literally when they saw his glorified body, they came into a reality of another world. When they saw the, the brilliance radiating from him, they, were, they came into immediate realization that there's a reality of another world called heaven. Do you understand that when you live by a renewed mind, the transformation that takes place in your life begins to demonstrate to the world the reality that there is another world. Because you begin to live by heaven's principles. You begin to live by kingdom culture. And people come around and say, wait a minute, that is so different than what I would have done. How is that? You begin to, begin to be a, a, a testimony to the kingdom of God. When you have a renewed mind, it's not just having new thoughts. It's more than new thoughts. It's, it's a completely different way of thinking. It's based in a completely different reality, which is heaven looking towards earth. And this means you're able to decipher when thoughts come from hell or from heaven, and you're able to walk in what is true. There's a scripture I want to put up here from, from 3 John, second verse. And I've, I've really, maybe because I, don't really, I haven't really read this letter that much, I was convicted, but this is such a good scripture. Verse 2, it says this. I, I want to just continue on. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. This is, this is really profound. It, there's making a connection here that our outward health is directly connected to our inward health. So many of us are focusing on making changes outwardly. And what the scripture says is actually where it needs to start is to have a prosperous soul. 
You reproduce what's on the inside. If that's unhealthy, what is a soul? What, what normally say what? Will, emotions, and mind. You need to have a prosperous mind. What does it mean to have a prosperous mind? It means your mind comes into alignment with the truth of God. So right off the bat, if you don't know his word and his truth, you can't have a prosperous mind. To have a prosperous mind is, is to function in the abundance of who God is. It's to, it's to live according to the economy of God and not this world. Literally, you, 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 you shape your life and your decisions according to God's truth and not your own. I would give you the illustration this way. How many, any business owners in here? We got a business owner right here. So when, at the end of a year, you go through your financials, right? And when you go through your financials, there's typically two outcomes. One is you're in the red, which means you're in debt, negative, not good. The other is you're in the black, you're in the profit, you have surplus. Depending on what you're in will greatly affect the way you make decisions going into the next year. If you think you're in the red, or if you are in the red as a business owner, you're probably going to be very risk adverse. You're probably not going to take a lot of, of big Big, uh, not make a lot of big decisions. You're probably going to have a lot of stress going into the next year wondering how are you going to make it work. But when you realize that your budget is in the black, it completely shapes the way that you make decisions for the next year. You can be creative. You can have vision. You can dream big because you realize you have things to work with. Do you understand? Do you understand that we operate in the black? Do you understand of the richness of God that's been made available to us? And God is calling us to live with an understanding of who he is and live in that abundance. See, I believe there's just such crazy, crazy destiny all in this room right now. Like beyond that I could ever speak over you, the things that God wants to do is, is just incredible. But will we come in alignment with his truth and see that? Because once we do, once we actually believe that there's nothing impossible for God, that he has big dreams and destiny for each and every one of us, we begin to see we're in the black. We're going to begin, we're going to, begin to live in a certain way according to that truth. Barriers can be broken once we come out of this poor mindset. God desires that we would have the mind of Christ. That's not just good thinking. That's not just moral thinking. That's part of it. It's faith thinking. It's literally seeing things completely different than we would with the natural eye. That's why it says in Ephesians 2, it says that we have what? We've been raised and seated in the heavenly realms. So even though we walk on this earth, we actually have been given the opportunity to live by our, by our heavenly identity. We can see things from a heavenly perspective now. We don't have to approach them as we used to. That's why Paul was getting out of Romans 8, 6. Set your mind on the flesh, it's death. Set your mind on the spirit, it produces peace and life. You don't have to walk by the flesh anymore. You can walk with a mind that is set on the spirit. Bill Johnson, I love, always says this. He says, we can't afford to entertain thoughts about ourselves that God himself doesn't have towards you. How often have I entertained thoughts that God has never spoken over me? You can't afford to do that. You know why? Because once you do that, you begin to war against the very purposes for God in your life. So you have to take them captive. You have to know the truth by being in the word so that you can walk by the truth. Some of you may say, well, I don't, I don't hear God's thoughts. I don't know. Well, that's just not true. One, you have the word of God. Two, the Lord reminded me in uh, 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, who can know the mind of God but the spirit of God? And then Paul says, and the spirit of God lives in you. 
So you know the thoughts of God. You can discern and understand the things that God has freely given to you by the Spirit and by his word. You guys following me right now? I just sense the Lord's truth is just going to break, break things that we've been staying in. I really believe that. Let me share one more, one more main point with you, which is the significance of truth. Because truth produces freedom. This is really, really important. Do you know when Jesus stood on trial with Pontius Pilate? You guys remember the scene? They had this incredible discourse of truth. And one of the things that Jesus eventually says in John 18, 37, he actually sums up his entire mission for coming to the earth like this. He says, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Jesus actually sums up his whole mission by saying, I've come to bring truth. Do you know in the Old Testament in Isaiah it says truth is nowhere to be found. It stumbles in the streets. The people of, of God perish because there was no truth. Jesus comes and says, I am the truth. He says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. John 16, 13, we receive the spirit of that guides us into all. It's everywhere in scripture. I could just go through one after another of the importance and significance of truth. Why is it important? Because Jesus has come to set the captives free. What takes us captive? Let's think about it. What's the enemy's name? He's the father of lies. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native tongue. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that he blinds the minds of the unbelievers, blinds the minds, deceives so that they would miss the full glory of Christ. In the Garden of Eden, God speaks a truth. The serpent comes and speaks a counterclaim to that. The whole fall of the world is hinged on believing a lie. So how are we set free? Truth. John 8, 31, 32. If you hold to my teachings, you are my disciples, and then you will know my truth, and the truth will set you free. When Jesus came and says he liberates us and he sets the captives free, we weren't walking around in POW clothes with, with, with chains on us. We've believed lies. We've built lies to things that are counter to the truth of God, and he's come to bring truth, which is in its fullness himself. Listen to me. The scripture says we worship in spirit and in truth. Why is that? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We are called to worship him in freedom. Spirit and truth make up the DNA of freedom. I would even say this. You are free to the degree you abide in God's truth in your life. And the purpose of truth is not to just make you smarter. It's not to just fill you with more knowledge so that you can debate people who feel differently about you. The primary purpose of truth is not informational. It's transformational. It brings freedom. This is why it's so important to know truth. It's because it actually sets you free. Living by truth is not just, it's not just agreeing in your mind to a certain statement. It actually is a yielded heart that produces a whole new way of life. When you begin to live according to the truths of God. And that is actually, we see that right in verse 5 and 6 as I close here. Look, read, put that back up, um, uh, Chris, if you wouldn't mind. Verses 5 and 6 at the end, it says, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Listen to this. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. How do you know if your mind's being renewed? Obedience to Christ. Your beliefs dictate your behavior. 
Let's just, we just have to keep it real. I can say all day long, I believe God's a provider. I believe this, I believe that. But when I'm faced with that circumstance, if I'm filled with fear and anxiety, I actually don't believe that truth about him. That's not to shame anyone or to guilt anyone. But actually what God wants to do is bring us into repentance, metanoia, which is not just a change of life. It's actually a change of mind. He wants us to repent and come out from this false thinking, come under the stream of God's truth to set us free. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What would it look like if we actually believe God is good? Like all the time, no matter what we go through. What would, we actually, what would it look like if we actually believe nothing is impossible? Man, what would vision look like for our life if we started living like this? What if we actually believe that Jesus' blood paid for everything? Then he's worthy of everything. I wouldn't hold anything back. So if the enemy is defeated, you guys know that, right? We're settled in that? We're victorious. If he's a defeated foe, I've said this before, he's not equal with God. He's a created being that could be equal with Michael. He's nothing like God. He's just a chess piece that God uses. So if he's defeated, how are the lies so powerful in our life? Because we empower them. Because we give attention to them. This is why it's so important to come out of that, to repent and turn our hearts to him and come under his truth. You've probably been here before where you're sitting around, you could be driving, I don't doing schoolwork, you hear the thoughts, you're not going to make it, you've messed up too much, you're in waiting forever because God isn't good, he's withholding something from you, God doesn't love you, that's why you're going through it. First of all, look at the cross, he's already proven how much he's loved you. He cares deeply for you that he would lay down his own life for you. See, these things, don't, they're not true. That's why it doesn't matter if they speak. In fact, the only thing they do is actually form truth in you because you begin to declare over yourself what is the truth. So let him speak all day long. It does not matter. But here's the problem. Sunday we come out of service. We lift up our hands in worship. Come on, I'm so guilty of this. Monday comes. You're not going to make it. You're a terrible leader. <laughs> no one wants to follow you. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of experience. Maybe I'm not really called to do this. Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, I can't even get out of my bed because I'm so depressed. I have to take those thoughts captive. But here's the other mistake we can make. I think we can actually get so engaged with the thoughts, we start rebuking and pleading the blood from here to Nassau County. <laughs> and I get that. I get that. And there's a part for, for this. And then I call up Crystal and everyone and say, you got to lay hands on me and pray for me. And then when they leave, what happens? I go right back. Because at some point, it isn't just about being prayed for. I have to start to walk in the truth of God in my life and not allow myself to be taken captive by these things. I feel like some are so bound in fear because they've just been taught such crazy things about spiritual warfare and they're so on guard. Listen to me. How does fear cast it out? Perfect love casts out all fear. Abide in him. Abide in his love. Let his love explode in your heart. Encounter the truth of how he sees you and how much he loves you, man. And fear just comes crashing down. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.